Welcome to the Flyover States Podcast. My name is Scott. This is my show. again everyone thanks for listening thanks for downloading you are listening to the flyover states podcast featuring real conversations about the people places and events happening in northwestern illinois and the midwest lifestyle in general i am your host scott musser thanks for listening my guest for this episode is Chris Remhoff. He is a trail running enthusiast. I would say he's a, a running sport advocate for our region here of Northern Illinois. Uh, he's from the Byron area. He has his hands in setting up a couple of uh, uh, races in the region. So he reached out to me. I thank him for that immensely. I always love when uh, potential guests reach out to me. That means I know you want to come on the show <laughs> and I don't have to guess. So uh, keep that in mind. But he reached out to me because they are doing a couple of races this year and they wanted to help try and promotion, uh, promote them. The first one coming up is the Nuclear Meltdown Elimination Race on August 14th. That is a very interesting race with multiple different levels, but basically you have a set loop that you have to complete within uh, a set time. And every top of the hour, you do that loop again. So if you go really fast and you have 15 minutes to spare, that means you have 15 minutes to chill. If you go really smoothly and you only have a couple minutes left, well, you got to turn right back around and get right back on that trail again. So that's pretty cool. And He's also promoting the fourth annual Tiger 10-mile race, and that is on September 18th. We also talked for a moment about the, the Pecatonica Prairie Path and the final three miles that needs to be completed before we could, could potentially connect by trail from Rockford to Freeport, to Monroe, to Madison, and to Milwaukee. This is a very possible thing that a, a, a multi-use recreational trail, If as long as we can finish this little three-mile section between like Rydot area to the Freeport area. So he wanted to talk about all that stuff. It's all very well explained in the podcast. Chris has a good feel for what it's like to be on a show. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Chris. All right. In the meantime, after a lengthy break with a wonderful, wonderful vacation that I will talk about here in a little bit. But yeah, I haven't recorded for a little while. Uh, the last podcast was my interview with Elizabeth Priller, noted author and uh, all around cool lady that I have known for quite a while. Um, I appreciate the, the few messages I got. Uh, about that episode i do also agree that was one of my uh it's sometimes you could just tell when people have a i don't know we had a good we had a good flow that night i think that is that is one of my better episodes so if you 
Not that any of them are better or worse, but ah, old Milwaukee. So yeah, check that out. <laughs> but since that podcast, Jeepers, I have been super busy. It's not like I've just been sitting at home and not podcasting. That is kind of what I've been doing, but I was Flyover State's entertainment got to do what I do best. I got to run a wedding ceremony and the reception all from the same private location. So congratulations go out to Blake and Maddie for a wonderful, wonderful day. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what else is going on. I was involved in the Pearl City Athletic Boosters golf outing with three other guys that I graduated with. That was a wonderful, wonderful day. A um, couple of them have been guests on the show, Jeff and Jeremy Cole, and then my other friend, Tim Lidoff, who I would love to get him on the show, but I don't know how much he can talk about his job. <laughs> He's a correctional officer down in Dixon, so <laughs> there might be some some certain things you can't talk about. You know, I don't know how HIPAA rules work with, with inmates and COs, but I imagine it's not that great. But yes, the big, uh, the big thing that has happened since I have been away from the microphone is my family took a trip down with my in-laws family. So my wife's family, I guess I tagged along, but we took a trip to Tennessee, the Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville kind of area. The Great Smoky Mountains was our main destination. It just so happened there's this little tourist trap of a town down there. <laughs> now, I have heard that some people refer to the Gatlinburg area as like the Dells on steroids, but uh -uh. I know both places now pretty well, and I would say the Wisconsin Dells is like Gatlinburg on steroids, because Gatlinburg is not as big as the Dells, obviously, but... We had a wonderful, wonderful time. We took a nice uh, family walk on this one hike to the Laurel Falls. All these places you can check out on Google if you wanted to. But Laurel Falls hiking trail was one that, that we've seen a couple bears on that trail and too many people. Very, very popular trail. Uh, just too many people. Wow. Not used to that. But it's kind of what you get in national parks. But, uh, you know, the other days we did the touristy stuff. We did go to this place called The Island in Gatlinburg. We also checked out a place called, you know, that island might have been Pigeon Forge. It, it doesn't really matter. They're all kind of the same place, separated by mountain streams. Uh, there's another kind of uh, touristy place called Anakista. That was a, a fun where you take this chairlift up to the top of the hill and there's a bunch of attractions and things to do up there. We checked out, let's see, what is it called? It's the, the Ripley's, Ripley's Aquarium of the Gatlinburg or something like that. Voted number one aquarium in the U.S. I don't know who's voting on this shit, but they wrong. <laughs> it was a nice place, but... Come on, I ain't no better than the Shed Aquarium. You gotta be joking me, buddy. Probably the most visited because Gatlinburg is a very, 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 very crowded place. The most visited national park 
in the country, from what I understand, probably because the state park or the national park is free to enter. So that definitely helps. But the main thing we did when we were down there, check your map listings, but me and my wife, Jennifer, brother-in-law, Adam and his wife, Cassie, they've been on the show. Actually, everybody, Nick and our good friend, Nick Friend, who lives down there in Tennessee now, joined us. And we took a 13.4-mile hike from Newfound Gap, where we walked on the Appalachian Trail for a couple of miles, and then took Boulevard Trail to get to Mount Lacante Summit. We summited not the... Not the tallest peak in Tennessee, but I think it's like the third tallest peak in Tennessee. But from base to top, it is the largest, largest mountain in the Great Smoky Mountains. Um, it was my first real experience with a, a real like day hike of mileage. Like, obviously, we go around. If you follow me on social media, we do many of a nature hike around here. A uh, great thing about this podcast with Chris is we brought up many, many of these little forest preserves and little uh, out of the off the beaten path kind of places that you can check out. Some of my favorite things to do is just type in forest preserve and start, you know, head down to Ogle County and see what kind of see what kind of trouble you can get yourself into. But and then so yeah, we climbed a mountain. We all made it. I I handled it extremely well i was i don't know kind of surprised i just unless you've hiked for close to 14 miles you don't really know what to expect especially anything like that you know i've done maybe six or seven miles at the most and this is with elevation <laughs> oh boy them elevation sometimes but yeah it's an an incredible experience. So many beautiful overlooks and just kind of cool places. It was a it was a good first first look into the world of hiking uh, in the mountains and stuff. If I wasn't already hooked from my trip to Washington State a couple of years ago, I'm definitely hooked now. Now that I've summited a mountain, now I'm just like, ooh, that was fun. <laughs> But we checked out the Lacante Lodge and then took the Alum Cave Trail back down. Luckily for us, as a as a big group of five, we had two vehicles, so we got to do a trail from a different trailhead than when we started than when we ended. And yes, good times. I really enjoyed it down there. Um, it, uh, funny enough, as I'm like talking to people about my trip, they're like, apparently Gatlinburg, Tennessee area is a very popular uh, vacation destination. <laughs> I know I just came from there, so obviously, but I hear a lot of people talking about going down there. And I do recommend it. The, the Smoky Mountains, I would say from about central Kentucky on down is really, really pretty. It's when the hills start getting a little bigger. You know, you start getting into kind of the Appalachia of the of the world. Very, very skinny roads down there. That's one thing I noticed. Very, very skinny roads. Where it, you know, we rented a we rented a car, which some people say is silly, but we wanted the extra room, especially the, the cabin space for 
the kids to not be right next to each other because they would have punched each other the whole freaking trip down there, which was like a 12-hour drive down. That was fun. It was like 10 or 11 on the way back, so which makes sense. I guess the only other thing that's been going on is uh, occasionally I have helped out my uncle fill in for their uh, golf league up at the Monroe Country Club. <laughs> and somehow, uh, I don't really carry a handicap in golf. I could guesstimate it. It's probably on like a 10 to 12 for 18 holes. So somehow, they wrote me down as like a 16 handicap for nine holes the first time I went there. And if you've never been around a, a handicapper's league, especially at a golf course where there, it's kind of a beer drinker's, definitely an older older gentleman's league, oh my lord, I am now known as that fucking guy, which is great, the sandbagger. Not my fault, just my uncle didn't know. I'm like, he told the clubhouse that I shoot around a 90, which at Monroe Country Club is very, very true. Because... <laughs> I can't put up there. Uh, that just kills me. So, yes, all sorts of fun stuff has been going on while I have not been podcasting. Getting people married, hiking to mountains, getting called a sandbagger, you know, all good things. <laughs> but I'm glad to be back. I have lots of new ideas for people to reach out to. And, of course... As always, I would love your recommendations for people you would like to see on the show. Or if you would like to be on the show, much like Chris did, he reached out to me. And my favorite and most preferred way of doing that is by going to flyoverstatespod at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can reach out to me through that. It is flyoverstatespodcast. And I also have an Instagram and a Twitter page. It's all Flyover States podcast. Check it out. <laughs> I host the show on SoundCloud. That is a great app if you uh, have any device. SoundCloud offers you a couple of kind of cool, different, unique features that uh, differ from Apple and Spotify. Get you kind of more of a community around these episodes. But if you're listening... I don't really care which way you do it. So I am available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. All right, everybody. I'm glad to be back. I hope you enjoy my talk with Chris. And once again, I love you, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Welcome to the Flyover States podcast, everybody. I am joined in the Flyover States Entertainment Studio today with a new guest to the show. It is Chris Remhoff. Chris, why don't you say hi to all of my lovely listeners? Hey, guys. How's everybody doing out there? I usually let the uh, guests take this opening moments and kind of explain themselves. So please go right ahead, man. Tell us who you are. Well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate you having me. Uh, my name is Chris Remhoff. I was born uh, in Rockford, but basically grew up in Leaf River my whole life. Uh, went to Forest in high school when Leaf River and Forest and merged. Um, graduated in 1994. 
So I'm a small town guy, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Pearl City and Forreston go way back in sports rivalries and just almost the kind of the same size of town. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, I literally grew up on Main Street in a town of 600 people. So, you know, I think <laughs> your I think your listeners can totally uh, relate with that. Yes, my my local and lovely Pearl City people will definitely know that. Right. I I was the same thing in Pearl City. I grew up right on the main drag a mm-hmm. little bit, so that's kind of funny. Yeah. So graduated Forston, thought I'd uh, smile my way through life, and then I realized, wow, that doesn't work. Um, got some crappy jobs, decided to go back to school. Then I was lucky enough to get hired at Sunstrand Aerospace at 20 years old. And I've been there for ever since, so almost 25 years. Uh, we're called Collins Aerospace now. So I've been there. Uh, I'm married, um, two children, and I've dabbled in local politics. I've dabbled in real estate as a couple side hustles, and now I'm kind of big into running. So I run, um, you know, everything from 5Ks to 50 miles, and I'm kind of a what I call a trail evangelist for Northern Illinois. I've probably run in almost every preserve in the area done a lot of races and I'm really, we are very lucky to have as many outdoor options as we do in Northern Illinois. I will agree with that. My family, we're not into the running as much, but we do enjoy a good uh, hike and a nature walk and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Plenty of options within an hour of Freeport. Oh yeah. And especially, I mean, during the pandemic, uh, it was crazy how many other people were getting out there and exploring what was in their backyard that they had no idea Mm -hmm. was right there. So that was one of the minor benefits of COVID is people re-exploring the outdoors. So uh, so between that and then I was just elected to a four-year term as a commissioner for the Byron Forest Preserve. Um, so we'll, we can maybe talk a little later about all the things that the Byron Forest Preserve does for the community in Ogle County, but really for anybody that wants to come down and visit. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely want to talk about that because uh, when we had originally talked, we were trying to get somebody from the, the Prairie View establishment down there and the, involved also, but didn't work this time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we could definitely do that in the future. We'll get you on down to Byron and introduce you to some uh, to Harry Cow Brewing Company and the Byron Forest Preserve and uh, Prairie Fire Grill and Golf. So what what gets you into your running? I guess that's what we're mainly in here to talk about. Is you have a couple of races and stuff that are coming up, so we're trying to promote that stuff. But where does it all begin? I guess for you. Yeah. So I mean. Like any small town kid, I mean, you you tried every sport, right? Mm Because pretty much every boy, every girl needs to be on the team, right, in order to have it. So, um, you know, I played pretty much all the sports. Some of them I was okay at. Some of them I was not that great at. You know, I ran junior high track, but I was was nothing special. I wasn't fast enough to be a sprinter. You know, and I could run the long distance, you know, the mile, two mile, but I wasn't, you know, fast enough that – was winning anything. No, uh, five, five minute miles. No, like no, that. definitely not. <laughs> um, I think I maybe remember in eighth grade, Forreston went up to maybe Dakota and it was just a horrible, miserable day, you know, in the spring. Um, and I think I did run maybe like a 520 stands out, but again, I didn't win the race. There were guys that were smoking me, but I got into high school and even though I was, I, I was probably 510 as a freshman, I was super skinny. Um, I hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but I, I played football, even though, you know, there wasn't junior tackle or things like that, really. So I went out as, you know, kind of a tall, awkward kid, but, you know, really liked football, obviously liked liked playing it as a kid, just in the backyard. Um, you know, so I primarily played football in high school, uh, didn't run track or cross country at all. Um, 
I was fast enough to be a receiver, but again, not fast enough to the track coach, cross country coach is like, Remhoff, we got to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, Trying you know, to sneak you away. Yeah, no. So it's not like I loved running. Right. Um, you know, so graduated Forreston as the school's all-time leading receiver for a number of catches. Um, and, but again, not not very fast. And Does that then, still stand? No, I'm second now. I think I held the record. I had 48 catches in two years. Um, and then some guy just destroyed it, you know, maybe 12 or 13 years ago. So, <laughs> One of them uh, repeat state champion teams, probably. It, it might have been. This guy was a beast. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, then I didn't run at all. You know, I think we – my first – First child was born at 27, the second one at 30, and then by the mid-30s, you know, you're you're kind of chasing the kids around, and you're putting on a few pounds, and, you know, it's not like I was out of shape, but I wasn't in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then my wife had started to run a little bit, and, you know, she wanted to lose a little baby weight and do the stuff like that, and... Um, so one day she she challenged me for a race. You know, I, I was a little cocky, like, ah, I see you're, you know, you're running more, you're getting some miles up, I, you know. That's nice, but I can probably still beat you. She's like, well, let's go. We'll run down to the stop sign and back, and that's, you know, about a mile round trip. And uh, we did it, and I, you know, I think I did beat her, but it hurt so bad. Sure. Lungs on the, fire, uh, feet on fire. Didn't didn't quite have the cardiovascular from those football days. As no, sure. no, sure. no. But, you know, so then it was one of those things like, well, that sucked. But, and then maybe like, maybe a month or two later, there was a, a Winnebago, the village of Winnebago had a family 3K, so 1.8 miles. Mm-hmm. And so she signed us all up, and the, the boys were maybe six and nine at this time. So she takes off, and I'm going to run with the kids, right? And so you know, the boys are running along, and they're six and nine. And at about the mile mark, they both stopped, you know, exhausted, right? Because they don't know how to pace themselves. Right. I was so happy that they stopped because, <laughs> yeah. again, everything hurt. Um, but then kind of, you know, we finished up, and I remember thinking, well, you know, that wasn't so bad. You know, next thing you know, another week goes by, and I thought, well, I'll run down to that stop sign and back. And... You know, then next thing you know, I'm like downloading an app and then buying running shoes. Oh, yeah. Starting the research online. Uh, yeah. Different, spending two hours trying to find the perfect pair of shoes. And no, I just pretty much just dove in and anything <laughs> goes. But yeah, then it was it was the the door started to open to Crazy Town. Right. That's what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm that with golf, where I, I'm pretty much pretty deep into it. Right. So, you know, that that summer of uh, 2013, you know, then it was kind of like, you know, hey, let's do a, uh, it was like a family fun run. They called it a color run. I think it was up in Racine, Wisconsin. And so you run and every so often they spray all this like color and glitter on you and this and that. And it was mainly for the boys because like now my wife is running and I'm sort of kind of running. And so to kind of get the kids out there too, you had to pick something fun. So we did this color run, and you know you're you're just all bedazzled and colored up and stuff. But the you know the boys had fun, and I thought, oh, that wasn't so bad. And pretty soon it's like, oh, there's a 5K, let's do that. Um, and then it was November. It was the Turkey Trot in Winnebago in November 2013. And now I I'd been kind of training, right? And sure. so is that a 5K? It was a 5K, okay. and I got an age group award, and I was like. Oh my God! They give you medals that you that you, like. I placed in my age group, and again, we're talking small town stuff. It's right. Nothing special, but probably what twenty twenty two minute five Ks or something like that. Uh, probably we... at that time was probably like a 24, okay. 23, somewhere in there. So yeah, still small town, not too crazy yet. Yeah, 
But then the other thing was about about that time, a little a few months before then, a buddy of mine who who's a much bigger guy than I am, but he he was doing a little bit of CrossFit. He was you know doing some stuff, and he'd heard I'd been running and lifting a little bit. He's like, "Have you ever heard of a Spartan race?" I'm like, "No, what's that?" And he's kind of like, "Well, you run and you do these obstacles, and there's lots of mud involved." And it's just like just a kick-ass sort of event that just destroys you. I'm like, oh, uh, like it. that sounds interesting, I guess. So he had done a race down in Marseilles, Illinois, and got like the most worst case of poison ivy ever, right? No. no. Yeah, That's it was bad. Horrible. So he emailed them and said, and he wasn't the only one. He emailed them and said, I got this awful case of poison ivy. I just wanted you to know. They're like, yes, we're aware there was a problem with one of the mud pits filled with poison ivy apparently oh my gosh that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty big oversight on a on a committee standpoint there. yeah but, uh, so they gave him like a bunch of codes for 20 dollars races at the 2013 miller miller park uh spartan sprint so miller park where the brewers play mm-hmm. um they were having what they call a stadium race so there's no mud involved in those but there's all these obstacles. And so a Spartan race is like, is like a Tough mutter. People maybe heard of Tough mutter, but Spartan race is harder. I think most people that are listening to my show probably understands what a Spartan race is. I, I, I'm pretty sure of that. Perfect. Okay. So we did one of those. My wife and I kind of did it and like, you know, we didn't race it. Like I would just go at her pace. We do, mm-hmm. you know, do that together. And yeah, we were totally hooked. After that, it was like, this, this is what we want to do. So we did over the course of probably four years, did 13 other Spartan races, um, all the way up to kind of the the big granddaddy one called the Ultra Beast. Um, and, and <laughs> that's, but, a, that's a fitting name for it the is. big one, the Ultra Beast. The Ultra Beast. <laughs> and so running definitely became a way like uh, as a means to an end, right? I wanted to, we wanted to have fun at Spartans. And so you need to be able to run. You need to be able to like be strong pound for pound, Um you don't have to bench 300 pounds, but if you weigh 160 like I do, you need to be able to control that body weight, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so running became kind of like let's get faster and better for Spartan races. Well, you can't always run a Spartan because they're all over the country, a lot of money to travel. So, hey, wait a minute. How about these 10Ks and half marathons and things like that? And, again, the, the door to crazy town cracked open Just even a little opening. more, yeah, right? I bet. You know, I see clowns in the gutters, and I'm like, yeah, I want to go down there. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> is it a big jump doing 10Ks versus the five in that distance? Like, I guess I don't know how long a Spartan race is. They're probably considerably long runs, aren't they? So there's different levels. There's a sprint, a super, and a beast is kind of the primary one. So a sprint is kind of your 5K with 15 to 20 obstacles. Okay. A super is probably six to nine miles with, you know, 20 to 25 obstacles. The Beast is closer to a half marathon and probably has about 30 obstacles. They, wow. In Illinois, they, they have a sprint and super. Um, we don't have enough hills in Illinois to have a Beast. They usually put those at places that are yeah, maybe not quite mountainous, but ski resorts. So, you know, think of... Uh, you know, southeast Minnesota, there's some ski resorts or parts of southeast Ohio gets kind of hilly. Those would be the closest ones to our area. Um, so then we did a bunch of those. And just as we were kind of getting a little tired of the Spartan races, you know, then we really started focusing on just, you know, kind of road running and then into trail running. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and trail running really became our our passion. You know, we we run roads too, but trails really fell in love with that. Um, just it's, being it's, out there, yeah, and it's so much easier to not get bored when you're when you're trail running at least a little bit because. You know, road running is almost just keep the legs moving. Don't think about it. Just keep going forward. But if you're yeah. on the trail, you're like, oh, rock, tree, jump, look out, got to move. Yeah, yeah, definitely you have to be more attuned. Um, also, just the communities as you meet other runners, road runners, you know, again, nothing wrong with road running. Um, road runners tend to be a little more, you know, focused on just speed and their splits, where trail running is more um, – it's, it's more of a community, you know, you're not quite worried about being as fast. Um, you're more, it's, there's a more of a, hey, come along with me. Oh, you're running a little slower? No problem. I'll slow down and hang out with you and we'll chat for a while. Sure. Where the road running is like, hey, have a great day and take off. So, you know, that was, you know, and the other great thing is we have so many great trails in Ogle County that it really fit in well with us. Uh, the Byron Forest Preserve has six different preserves. We have three state parks and a state forest in, in Ogle County. Um, the Audubon Society has a couple preserves. There's a rails to trails between Polo and Woosung. Rochelle Park District has a park, Scar Park. So, I mean, there are literally 15 different places in Ogle County you can run on trails um, that are unique. Yeah? Yeah. Oakdale's got some nice stuff here in, in south of Freeport. I love Oakdale. I've been down there. Uh well, you probably ran around most of our areas around here, haven't you? Big shout out to the Freeport Park District because Oakdale is a great place. And if anybody's listening to this podcast and has not been there. Oh, I, I stress it all oh, the time yeah. as much as I can. Yeah, please check out because mm -hmm. if you just want to go on a nice nature walk, it, there's different levels for everybody. You can do the whole outer loop, which I think is close to like three or four miles, mm -hmm. or you can do smaller, smaller insets and just check out the creek line and stuff. Yeah. Big prairie field out there. Yeah. And the, the woods are great. I mean, it's got some interesting um, kind of rock formations. Mm -hmm. So some nice bluffs. That's all, that's pretty much what's down in Ogle County, too, is a lot of, a lot of bluffs, a lot of cut through creek beds and yeah. river beds and stuff. It makes for some really interesting rock formations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Castle Rock will, will beat you up. If you go hike or run at Castle Rock State Park, that is uh, that is great training, even you know when you do some of the mountain races out west, mm -hmm. uh, because you can rack up some good elevation at Castle Rock. There are some really steep climbs in there. Just don't go on a Monday of Memorial Day weekend when it's beautiful <laughs> at ten thirty in the afternoon. Or oh my goodness, I went. Me and my family went down there recently. We wanted to check out Matisson State Park. Oh yeah, I think is how you say it. Yeah. They had already shut down the road to the main waterfall by the time we'd even got there. Or the parking yeah. lot was so full. It was like, whoops, didn't, <laughs> didn't for, forgot that quarantine brought everybody out to the state parks nowadays. Yeah, I think Starved Rock's probably Illinois' bu busiest state park for sure. I mean, maybe that or Garden of the Gods. But there might, Yeah, that's probably the only one I could think of. Unless there's something way down south that I don't, yeah. that I don't know about. But yeah, I mean the ones we have around here aren't you know nearly as busy as, as that. So, thankfully and unthankfully, right? Lately, right. Aquino opening back up should be hopefully. I've heard September hmm. on that breaking news here on the podcast. Right, I'm pretty sure I've heard <laughs> September, and that was from the lady that lives across the street. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, it's um, 
Yeah, plenty of options, plenty of options to keep yourself busy with trail running around here. I know that. Right. And so, yeah, so basically then between the trail running and the Spartan races, you meet a bunch of people. And um, so then I got kind of started like, well, there weren't as many races in our area compared to how many trails we had available. Um, and when the races we did have were just like, you know, 5Ks, right? Mm -hmm. on, on the road, very few events on the trails. So I was training for the 2017 Chicago Marathon. So that's the first or second weekend of October every year. And it was going to be my second marathon. Um, I'd gotten kind of fast now at this point, and I was going to try to Boston qualify. Sure. So the way Boston, the Boston Marathon works is it's kind of like the Super Bowl of American marathons. You can't just sign up and go. Uh, there's only 30,000 runners allowed. I'd say about 4,000 of them are charity runners, so people that raise a certain amount of money mm -hmm. for the charities that are affiliated with the Boston Marathon. The other 25 to 26,000 runners have to get in by um, how fast they are relative to their gender and their age. So, you know, at the time I was right around 39 or 40, and so I think I needed to run about a three hour and 15 minute marathon. And then What's that, that for a split time for a mile then? Yeah, so it's right about a seven fifteen pace or so. And that's a that's a good pace. That's, that's a good that's you're, good. <laughs> you're, for for twenty three miles? Twenty six point two. Yeah. Right. I gotta remember the sticker I see on the back of people's cars. <laughs> right. So uh, I was getting ready for that and I was all my training runs, everything felt really good. My warm up races, you know, leading up to that, everything was going to be pretty good. So I get there to race day and it was kind of a cluster the night before between kids' schedule and it, there was a crazy thunderstorm with lots of rain. Long story short, the the night before food and sleep and the morning of didn't go as planned, but I still my training is still solid, right? Mm. So I get going in the Chicago Marathon, and what I wasn't prepared for is, you as a small-town guy, you can't – I wasn't prepared for 50,000 runners right next, to right next to me. For hours. And I thought, okay, fine. It's, it's a big race, right? And so after a few miles, it'll start to kind of, you know – uh, be a little sparse or I have a little room. Well, sure. even though I wasn't, you know, the people that win the Chicago Marathon are running, you know, two hours and 10 minutes, maybe two hours and 15 or something, depending on how, how hot it is. So I knew I'd be other people around me because I was shooting for about a 309. I didn't have personal space for probably 10 miles, <laughs> 10 miles. I mean, I had to focus the person in front of me. I was so close to them that I'm basically just watching them and it, if they're matching my pace, great, but it still took mental energy, right? And so if I want to go around them left or right, it was no different than a car on the highway. I literally had to check my mirrors over my shoulders and see if I could make a move. Wow, I've never thought of that. They're so just... you do that for 10 miles, and I was just, I think I was just starting to get just, not only are you running, you know, a 7, 5, 10, 7, 10 pace per mile. But you're running with stress, heavy yeah. stress. Yeah, you're doing that. It was, was a, a warm day. It wasn't the hottest on record but it was a fairly warm day and around mile 13 or 14 you know i can feel my stomach like oh man you know it's it's not going sideways yet but i don't know and then at mile 19 i bonked mm. so i ran out of water i went over to the aid station no problem I, I knew this would probably happen i unscrewed my thing she filled up the water my legs 
said no more. Jelloed out. Chris, there's no more running. Oh, you man. you were done. And I thought, okay, I'll just walk a little bit, you know, let my heart rate come down, and then I'll start running again. I'll make it back up, right? No. I I had bonked, and bonking is a term in running that I'd heard, right? That didn't happen to me. Sure, of course not. No, that, that's training. other we're, people. <laughs> we're Midwest strong. I'm small town strong. Yeah, that was a crazy feeling. I couldn't, no mind game, no Jedi trick would get my body to start running again. I shuffled out those last six, six or seven miles because whatever I had done was not reversed. I, I just, it was horrible. I've never felt that way before or since. Mm. So I didn't BQ. So I go back to Byron, and I'm kind of like, oh, my God, I just spent five, six months just busting my ass. <laughs> to bonk out. To bonk out, right? Oh, man. And so I, I started going back to the forest preserve more just to kind of let my body, you know, it's a little easier on your body to run the trails than the road. And I was kind of like, I really love being out here. I love being out on these trails and in nature, especially in October when the leaves are changing. I thought, we need to have a race in this forest preserve. All they do is a little 5K during the summer, but there's a lot more miles of trails out here. So that's when I started coming up with the Tiger 10-mile trail race um, that we have now. This is going to be the fourth year. Um, so I came up with a course, and I came up with a name and, and all these things, and I thought, well, do I want to be a business owner? Do I want to create an LLC and take money out of our family's pot and and try to grow this thing? And I thought I could do that, but that might be kind of stressful. So I approached our park district and I said, I've got this vision, got this idea. Um, would you guys, would you guys host it? You know, you, you handle all the liability. Um, you'll also make all the money. I, you, sure. know, you know, I pitched it to them and they were like, yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty good. Just, you know, you're the runner, give us a hand. Perfect. <laughs> so we got, we started the ball rolling on the uh, Tiger 10 mile trail race in Byron, Illinois. So how was the first one? Was it everything you had always dreamed of, or uh, did you have any hiccups? I always love startup stories of uh, people taking their, their little brain right. idea and putting it actually on physical, well, on ground this time. Yeah. But. No, it, it went really well. Um, the park district staff is, is awesome, uh, and they were used to running races just smaller, right? They, mm. they ran you know a, a summer 5K and then a turkey trot, and they had different events, so they were they were used, in how, used to how to organize things and manage things. And the running side, I'd been at enough races that I, you know, logistical support, and I'm out there marking the course and doing some of those things. So they allowed me a large amount of input, um, you know, on designs and, you know, T-shirts and things like that. What, what would runners like, Chris? What, what would runners say about this? Um, how do you want to do this, right? I'm not getting any. I don't make a penny off the Tiger 10 miler. I get a free race entry, but it's my labor of love, like podcasting is mm -hmm. for you. Yep, that exactly. you know, I I take vacation time to help set it up. Uh, I you know spend time on social media stalking. I mean, recruiting runners, uh, <laughs> all those things that you have to do. So the first year, I don't think we really had any any major hiccups. It went pretty smooth the first year. We probably had uh, I want to say we had a hundred. 110 people sign up, maybe 100 show up. So, you know, pretty decent for a first-year event. Uh, that was 2018. And then 2019, I think we had 207 sign up and maybe 180-some show up. And that went really good. We had a little bit of a snafu that second year with, some, with a timing issue. Um, ultimately, we got it worked out. Uh, 
one of the things we do that's the Tiger 10 Miler is kind of known for is we have an after party at Harry Cow Brewing Company. Sure. That's what that's yeah. half the fun right there. I'd run 10 miles just for the after party. <laughs> we have people that do that. <laughs> so, you know, the, one of the nice things for that is all of our runners come to Harry Cow. You're going to get free pizza. I said free. You're going to get free pizza as a finisher of the Tiger 10 Miler. And we'll have an awards program. We'll have attendance prizes. Um and it's, it's a really cool event. Well, there was a little snafu with the timing, so I had to kind of ab-lib a little bit. We ended up working out, but that was one of those uh, pucker moments. We were like, oh, man, oh, boy, here, uh, there's 100-some people here, and I don't have things. But it worked out. And then year three was COVID, right? Mm, sure. So, you know, during that whole thing, a lot of races got canceled in 2020, right? Yeah. Well, one of the lucky things in Byron is we're having the race – the, the race is sponsored by a park district, and it's held at a forest preserve. So we don't need permits from the state. We don't need permits from any other bodies. The forest preserve was cool with how we were going to handle things. The park district was cool with how we were going to handle things. We were within the governor's mandate at the time of groups uh, 50 or less. Mm -hmm. So we just broke up our runners into waves, this wave of 50 runners spaced 10 minutes apart from the second wave of runners. You know, we had, it was a nice day out, middle of September, so everybody could socially distance. And then you're out there in the trails. So even during COVID, we actually had an in-person race, not virtual, uh, where I think we had, I think we had 160-some people sign up and maybe around 130 or 40 race. So we were pretty happy about that because mm – -hmm. There weren't many races to be had uh, in September of 2020. No, I remember. I, I'm on the committee for the Pretzel City Brew Fest here in town. And a lot of what you're saying reminds me of when we were tr still trying to do it. I mean, we had the city's permission. We had we were under the mandate. We had an idea to keep these small groups uh, going through it one at a time. You stick with your group. But in the end, we just decided to cancel it because, you know, for a beer fest, that's probably – Probably for the best in that yeah. one, but as far as running outdoors, and most people are going to be pretty physically fit anyways, so the the fear of it shouldn't have been quite as bad too. Yeah, and we we had you know we made modifications obviously where we didn't have aid stations right, so we didn't have things you could touch once you were out there. Mm -hmm. We did place some coolers with bottled water, so in case somebody was underprepared but that day was very cool that that day last year was a cool day so that worked out and we had told all our runners hey listen we're, we're here are some mitigations you need to come prepared we had some hand sanitizing stations out sure, i mean sure. but generally you're outside and, and once you're out there running it, you know it was fine so yep, yep. so we went, went off without a hitch and now we're excited for uh year four the tiger 10 miler and it's a great race because we get some really fast runners that like to throw down on the trails. Um, the course record is a ridiculous 59 minutes and 24 seconds for 10.1 miles with about 750 feet of gain. Um, so that's about a six-minute mile on some hilly trails. Now, Juan Moran, a, a stud runner from Beloit-Janesville area, set that record. So that's a push. Dude, that's pushing. Dude, that was crazy. That's almost running about <laughs> as fast as you can for <laughs> an hour. Yeah, exactly. That guy's an awesome animal. Wow. And then last year, the, the, the race was on the women's side. That was the race to watch because we had Shannon Ring, who is the fastest marathoner in Rockford, and she, she won the race um, in 2019 
for the women. So she was back in 20. And then we had uh, Olivia Ditzel from Cuba City, Wisconsin. She came down and she's a 25-year-old triathlete who is very a very good triathlete. Um, she was going to come down and compete for it. She had rode the week before. She had rode 130 miles on her bike um, to raise money for a charity for her father who passed away young. And so she told me, she's like, I don't know if I'm in top shape. I rode 130 miles last week, but I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. And then we had a runner come out from Chicago. She's on the Fleet Feet of Chicago racing team. Had never ran trails before, but she ran college and she runs for Fleet Feet of Chicago, which is a big deal. Mm. And so she came out and she won the race. But everybody was kind of like watching those three women like duke it out. Uh, And so that was kind of the exciting part. But even if you're not a fast runner, the Tiger 10 miler is great because we have three hours to finish. So that's an 18-minute per mile pace. You know, that's that's pretty good. Should should be able to make yeah. that, I would hope. And even if you're a walker, if you, if you contact us and say, you know what, I'm, I'm probably not running any of this, but I want to compete, we'll sure. let you start a half an hour early uh, with the walkers. And we usually have, you know, 10 people or so do that. That's three and a half hours. That's a 21-minute mile pace. And so really anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are we. Our oldest finisher was early 80s. We, out of, let's see, probably 400 people, we've only had maybe two people not finish, one because they twisted an ankle and one just because they kind of weren't prepared but wanted to give it a shot anyways. But it's a race that anybody can do. Um, and we're just as proud as our of our mid-packers and our backpackers as the people that win it. So we give a middle-of-the-pack award. Uh, one of our one of our generous supporters, uh, Laura Magrum from Dixon, she's a realtor. She gives a $25 gift card to uh, the running store down in Dixon, Stonebridge Running. And so the middle of pack award works that if you have 200 finishers, finisher number 100 gets a gift card. So there's something in it, not only for the fast people that get money, prize money or age group awards. Kind of like a flight system and when you play a golf tournament locally yeah. where you get champ- championship flight, first flight, second flight. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Even, even if you don't do your best on day one, you still have a chance worked into a, a race course. I yeah. Think, yeah. So we, we have a lot of great things like that and it's a really cool event. And if people want to learn more about it, they can look it up on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Tiger 10 miler. If you Google Tiger, Tiger 10 mile trail race in Byron, it'll, it'll pop up and you can, I've got lots of pictures of what the course looks like and other different, you know, content out there that'll give you a good idea if it's something you're interested in. And we do have, we do have several people from Freeport that come down every year. Um, you know, there's there's a probably about four or five people from Freeport that come down every year and support us. So we're I'm really happy about that. Well, let's get that number up, people. Come on, who wants to go <laughs> run ten miles? Where's the where's what day is it actually? So this year it's uh, September 18th, 2021, 8 a.m. in Byron at the Byron Forest Preserve. Uh, if you look at the Byron Forest Preserve, it's the Jarrett Prairie Center at 7993 North River Road. So that's just on the south side of the Rock River from the town itself, kind of. You know, as if you want to drive towards the nuclear plant, you got to go by the forest preserve first. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where our trails are at. And it utilizes, you know, prairie, woods, there's flat spots, there's rolling hills. It's just kind of a combination of everything that you would expect in the Midwest. Um, but probably because our forest preserve um, really specializes in natural plants that would have been here two or 300 years ago, it's 
it's cooler to run through than some other preserves you've been in because you're going to see plants there in Byron that you're not going to see it uh, at the forest preserves maybe elsewhere. Sure. Because we get nuclear plant money. Uh, we have really great staff and we have great stuff. And so we believe that we're lucky enough to get power plant money. We're going to you know, make our properties really showcase. We're going to spend that money. And so we have a lot of different prairie plants uh, and natural things that are protected uh, and that you can really only find in Byron or maybe at Nechusa grasslands or maybe hidden on some hundred acres that no one's been on for the last 50 years. So. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I like that spot down there because that's, that's by the golf course, the Forest Preserve, isn't it? Down by Prairie View? Yeah, so the Byron Forest Preserve runs the Byron the Prairie View Golf Course. Okay, yeah, right. But so it's right next door. I'm just putting putting the location in everybody's head because there used to be like a little skate park or something across the road there they for did. a while, wasn't there? I'm, yeah, the Forest Preserve ran that too. Me and my little skate and boarding buddies <laughs> used to go there every nice. once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those things that just kind of just wasn't sustainable. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the money just, it's one of those things. I mean, honestly, golf courses, um, golf courses don't make money generally. And that's why most golf courses are owned by taxing bodies because they don't necessarily have to turn a profit. The Byron Golf Course doesn't make a profit. It loses a little money every year. Sure. Uh, when they go, the ones in Rockford, you'll see that the Rockford Park District just closed a golf course. They closed Elliott last year yeah. because it wasn't making money. Um, so golf courses are not there. They're places where middle-income people and upper-income people can play, but they don't turn a profit, really. Um, now, the new facility there in Byron, the uh, Prairie Fire um, Golf and Grill, which is a Top Tracer facility. So people that are golfers have heard of Top Golf. Mm -hmm. Top Tracer is similar, um, and we are the only Top Tracer facility in northern Illinois outside of the suburbs. And so that facility has been around for about a year now. And so that is a really cool place. That make that place is making money hand over fist. Good. That place is very busy uh, with people coming out and running through um, the top tracer technology, eating at the bar and grill, and it's been an overwhelming success. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. It's a it's a wonderful way for people who just want to have a little dabble of golf, but have more of a fun night or yeah. do something versus you know playing a full 18 holes or nine holes, which could be right. hours. And if you're not good at golf, it's just not, <laughs> it's not any fun to spend, yeah. you know, 60 bucks to go whack a ball around. But no, it's good to hear. I was hoping, I was hoping it would be a popular thing and it, it would be going well. So yeah, it has, um, you know, the, the hardcore golfers kind of use it in the spring to get tuned up, sure. we saw. And then now, you know, the weather's nice. They're out there golfing, but still families, bachelor parties, corporate events, things like that are using the top tracer, you know, all week long. Uh, golf course. Now, what we did see with golf courses last year is with COVID, not as many things to do, right? Movie theaters, vacations, things like that. So golf was up last year. Mm -hmm. um, there were more rounds played um, than probably the early 2000s. When I look at the numbers for the Byron Golf Course, and I don't know that that's probably that different than any other golf course around. The heyday of golf was the late 90s and early 2000s when Tiger Woods was at his apex and everybody was golfing. You can look at the numbers and the numbers from 1998 to about 2002 are off the charts. Mm -hmm. Crazy. No, I, was, I was playing golf back then. Yeah. Very much. I was right out of high school by that time. So 
Yeah, it was too. Even all the courses around, I can remember just there would always be a full clubhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, it was hard to get a tee time sometimes if you weren't, you know, precise on getting a getting your booking in in time. But. Right, right. And so, you know, then it's really seen a dip uh, since then. And you've seen, you know, Westlake Village close, you know, a couple other places, right? Well, then last year things picked up. And so we had a, rare, a very good year. Um, so everybody's curious this year, does that, does that continue because people refound golf or as people can start going back out there like, oh, okay, let's, let's do the things we did before the pandemic. But as of now, those rounds of golf are still really are very high. Part of that's probably because we've been pretty dry. There haven't been rain out weekends and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but we're fingers crossed that um, the golf, the golf business is on a little bit of an uptick again. I think so. I don't. It's 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 such a weird fickle sport because you are you are right in the it's middle to upper middle class kind of it's right in that basket house mm -hmm. for everything because it's not it's not the cheapest sport to play and when it's you know one hundred and thirty dollars <laughs> a week for your groceries and right. versus that for a foursome with your family if probably more than that honestly for to get mom and dad and two kids out. Yeah, a weekend at Byron, um, eighteen holes with a cart's fifty bucks. Mm -hmm. So, and then that's you know that's right in the middle of where things are at. And yeah, so if you're going to go out there with a few people, it's not something everyone can do. Sure, I would call Byron kind of a, a upper end kind of course too, though mm -hmm. it's not your it's not your local municipal hack and smack like right. Rockford's got a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, even here in Freeport, we're incredibly lucky. Yes, Park Hills is an amazing facility. Just, and I'm a member actually at the the Freeport Club. Hmm, okay, for this year, and that's they are going through the another owner, so they're trying to build back. I, mean, I wanted to be a part of it. Hopefully, they're coming back. But nice. It's a uh, it's a wonderful sport. I just yeah, kind of almost like running, where it's it's very niche. You you gotta to really enjoy it. You almost gotta have this natural ability to kind of be good at it. Well, maybe me and you, we could team up with a, run, a golf, a speed golf, which is, you know, there, there there's an actual thing called oh, speed yeah. golf. I would, I've <laughs> never tried it before because, you know, there was never, Yeah. you start running three holes and you're going to catch up to the group in front of you unless you're the first one off the tee in the morning. But I don't want to play a 45 minute nine holes. <laughs> right, right. Well, my buddy, Mike McHale, who's a good golfer and a good runner, he did this a few years ago where... I think at the time that the national championship or the world championship was at some course in the suburbs. And so I think the deal is you only get three clubs mm -hmm. and you, you hit and you sprint up to your ball and you try to get your heart rate down and you try to get in the, that hole as fast as you can and you just keep going. And so it's a combination of low score and how fast you do it. Um, and so I think Mike did pretty well, but if we could do, if they ever have a tag team thing, I'll do the running and you do the hitting. <laughs> You know? I like it. I like it. <laughs> so we're promoting your ten mile Tiger Ten Miler, but you also yeah. have some other races going on that you are trying to promote, also, correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, August fourteenth, we have Nuclear Meltdown Elimination Race. That's, what that, is, sounds, that sounds terrifying. I didn't I didn't research this on purpose because I like hearing it yeah. firsthand too. But so what is an elimination race? Okay. So obviously the nuclear part <laughs> with Byron is, is right, obvious. But. Right. Um so an elimination race, the way it works is there's different ways to do it, but the way we're doing it is you have one hour to run the loop. 
the loop is 4.16 miles. There's a few, there's some hills, but it's not ridiculously hilly. So you've got an hour to do it. So if you finish that loop in 45 minutes, you've got 15 minutes to chill out, go to the bathroom, refill your water, get off your feet. And then as soon as the top of the hour rolls around, you're on the start line and we set you off for another loop. The point is don't get eliminated. So you have to do it in less than 60 minutes. If you don't, if you don't make it back, then you're eliminated. I get it. And so you can choose either to do that for four hours, eight hours, or 12 hours. So four hours will get you about 16 and a half miles. Sure. The eight hours is 33, and the 12 hours is exactly 50 miles. So the the tricky thing about elimination race for most people, um, you know, there are going to be some people that are eliminated um, because it's going to be in the middle of August. It's going to be hot. That's part of the name of meltdown, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be out there. It's going to be sunny. Um, but for some people that are, you know, a little bit faster, it's all about, it's all a mental game of pacing because a faster runner might be able to go out and do that loop in 40 minutes over and over and over again, right? But sitting around for 20 minutes, you're going to stiffen up, uh-huh. you're going to tighten up, you know, pretty soon that, that popsicle in your hand and, you know, the shade <laughs> feels pretty good. And you're like, do I want to do this for another six hours? No, not really, you know? So the point is you've got to slow down. For some of the faster runners, they've got to slow down more than they normally would, walk hills that they wouldn't normally walk, and try to keep that sweet spot of maybe maybe finishing the loop in 52 minutes or 54 minutes. That way, just enough time to get your water, get a little food, you know, let your heart rate come down a little bit, but then go back out now for another little jaunt. Versus so, getting cold yeah. after a 15-minute sit-down or something. Right. So uh, you you have – there's there's challenges for the fast runners and the slow runners. The slow runners have to constantly be worried about getting eliminated. The fast runners have to constantly be worried about, is my pacing strategy – appropriate and your last your last loop is how we determine the winners so for instance on the eight hour event the first seven loops don't get eliminated the last loop run your ass off oh so then it's a race then it's a race so the last loop that you sign up for is run like hell and again after you've just been kind of jogging and messing around for seven hours then all of a sudden you got to blow the cobwebs out that's not that's not how people train normally in running. So no, that's going to be different. That'll get to show you what parts have gotten sore <laughs> over the last seven laps, right? Right, right. Oh, so man. we're looking forward to that. So nuclear meltdown elimination race um, is run by Ornery Mule Racing. Ornery Mule Racing is a race company out of Crystal Lake, Illinois, and Michelle Hartwig owns it, and she runs um, multiple different uh, ultra marathons in northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin. So. Um, her big one is the Hennepin 100 miler that starts in Sterling, Illinois, and runs on a canal towpath. Uh, the Hennepin Canal used to, you know, 110 years ago or so, used to connect the Rock River down to the Green River and then the Illinois River and then over to the Mississippi. And they would they would barge traffic, that, you mm-hmm. know, down there. Well, now you can run that towpath. And so it's Illinois' only point-to-point 100-miler. There's a 100-miler, a 50-miler, and then I think a relay, and then a 50K. And so it's very flat, and so you get a lot of athletes from all around the country. There's even foreign people that fly in, foreign runners that fly in, because they know that um, early October, 
going to be generally cool in northern Illinois. It's a very flat, actually, if you think about it, water flows down. So the net is actually slightly downhill most of the way. Mm. So Hennepin 100 is one of her big races. Uh, we just had the Kettle Moraine 100 miler up in the Kettle Moraine State Forest. Um, the Ice Age Trail is probably the most prominent trail in the area. Mm-hmm. And that race uses um, the Ice Age Trail almost exclusively. And there's a 100 mile, a 100K, which is 62 miles, a 50K, which is 31 miles. Um, and that race has hundreds and hundreds of people. Again, runners all around the country come to that. So Orner Mule Racing is kind of a big race company. And so I'm the race director for this event, and it's our first year having it. So we're excited about bringing another, you know, economic opportunity and a running opportunity to Ogle County and Northern Illinois. There's a lot more going on than I would have ever known, man. I, I can bring you There's to Crazy Town. Races on. <laughs> have you been up to the Kettle Moraine one before? Yes. Is that beautiful up there? I've never really gotten to that. Scott, you, you've got to check out the Ice Age Trail. That's what I thought. That's yeah, what I thought. I it is really cool. I my way up there yet. Now, your kids, I mean, it's it's rocky. It's rooty. The hills are legit. So, I mean, it's one of those things that, hey, kids, we're just going to go bust off five miles here. Okay, slow your roll a little bit. <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be a four-hour jaunt instead yeah. of a one-hour jaunt to yeah. do five. Yeah. Yep, yep. But, yeah, I mean, you can camp up there and check it out. But the Ice Age Trail, if you think about it, think about the last Ice Age – you know, these glaciers come down, and the lowest point the last glacier hit was in Janesville. And then it stopped, and then it receded. And so, basically, it's like a giant bulldozer mm-hmm. that was pushing all that stuff down, and then the bulldozer stopped and retracted. And that's what the Ice Age Trail is, is that mound of dirt and debris and stuff um, that was left behind. And so, you're constantly running up and down, up and down, up and down. You're in the woods for a lot of it, and there's a few bluffs where you have these views like oh my god i think i can see for 100 miles because it's, yep. it's all flat but i'm up here on this you know um couple hundred foot ridge so it's really cool um just yeah something totally everybody got to check out it run the ice age trail runs from interstate park which is over there on the minnesota wisconsin border on the st croix and it comes all the way down to janesville and then it goes all the way back up to green bay it's a little over a thousand miles mm-hmm and actually, an athlete from Ottawa, Corey Waltering, who is sponsored by The North Face, um, he set the record last year. Since there weren't uh, races for elite runners, uh, a lot of people were doing what's called FKT, fastest known time. And they would race from point A to point B as fast as they could. And there's websites that track that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And Corey went from Interstate Park to Green Bay. Oh, I can't remember exactly how many weeks it took him, but he ran over a thousand miles, you know, basically nonstop. I mean, he would stop for the night, sleep in the back of a van or a tent or something like that, get yeah, up the I've, next morning, kept I've, going. I've uh, watched some documentaries on the people that speed race the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. And yeah. Crazy. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think the Appalachian Trail is maybe like 40 something days. It's something yeah. ridiculous. Like, you're not even sleeping most no. of the time. You're you're just maybe sleep for an hour. Yeah, and it's I think is it three thousand miles or two thousand something big. miles? It's, it's yeah. big. We were on. I walked two point seven miles of it just a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> nothing too crazy, but yeah, yeah. And then that'll kind of oh, the Midwest trails. Those are cute. Come out here to the Appalachian trails. <laughs> yeah, in the Smoky Mountain area. That was right. That was a good time. 
But yeah, we're excited about Nuclear Meltdown. Uh, one of the other things that might interest people in the Freeport area that I'm kind of working on is the Pecatonica Prairie Path. Yes, this is what I want to talk about to you because I I didn't know about it until you had brought it up in our in our initial meetings and emails yeah. and stuff where the the Prairie Path Trail from Rockford is there's what three miles left or something that are unpaved. Yeah, so the Pecatonica Prairie Prairie Path. Um, it's right now. There's 29 and a half miles that are finished. So um, it starts at Meridian Road. So if you're on Highway 20 and you're heading towards Rockford, and if you take a left, you go by Roy Gale and head up to Farm and Fleet. If you take a right, um, you would be off on Meridian Road, right by the almost the intersection of Meridian and Cunningham. Yeah, Cunningham. That's the kind of the trailhead. And so it runs from Meridian Road through the village of Winnebago through Pecatonica, around the Winnebago County Fairgrounds in Pecatonica, keeps heading west um, through, I guess that's the north side of Rydot. And then you go past Rydot a few miles, and then it runs into the Peck River, and it stops. That's where it ends. Well, yes and no. The trail keeps going because it's an old railroad bed. But ComEd actually owns the trail, and they grant an easement to use it for recreation. But there's a bridge over the Pecatonica River west of Rydot that they've got chained off because they don't consider it safe right now. Sure. It's not going to fall down if me and you were to go on it, but they, don't, they still don't want loads of people out there. So from the Pecatonica River west of Rydot to the very eastern edge of Freeport, if, um, if you're on Highway 20... And instead of going to downtown Freeport, like you're going to go to Galena, and you make that turn to the north, and then um, where the Peck River, where you cross over the Peck River on Highway 20. Yes. Um, then there, that next overpass is what, River Road, right? East River Road? Yes. That's where the trail would kind of end. Okay. So from there to basically the Peck River west of Rydot, that three and a half to four miles is what we need to finish. Um because then you would hop up on River Road for just a little bit to avoid Highway 20, and then you could hop down uh, at the very edge of the city of Freeport, and the Freeport, they maintain that. And then you can take that into Freeport, um, around Tutty Park, and then up by Union Dairy, and then that's the start of the Jane Adams Trail. Mm -hmm. Then you can take the Jane Adams Trail up to the West Block Trailhead, where it turns into gravel and you know packed dirt. You can take the Jane Adams to the Wisconsin state line. It turns into the Badger Trail. Yep. Once you're on the Badger Trail, it goes through Monroe to Madison. Once you're in Madison, you're almost, your options are almost unlimited which direction you want to go. But one trail, the Glacial Trail, goes all the way to Milwaukee. So if we can finish this three and a half miles between Rydot and Freeport, you would be able to go 190 miles by foot or bike or theoretically cross-country skiing, from the west side of Rockford to Freeport to Monroe to Madison to Milwaukee, unbroken between gravel and pavement. I mean, that's, that's, that's mind-blowing. That sounds like a, a good place to set your own personal time records on. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and the, one, one of you crazy uh, ultra people look at that 190 and just go, oh, yeah. Right. Well, the, there are 200-mile races out there. There's 200, oh, I'm, 500. I'm yeah. well aware of them. <laughs> I've, I listened to podcasts with Cameron Haynes and uh, I think Courtney DeWalter. Courtney DeWalter, yeah. One of the, one of the shining lights mm -hmm. of the sport. 
Right, right. So, you know, so yeah, for people that are interested or people that um, would be interested in helping this, there's a there's a Pecatonica Prairie Trail Commission that meets every three months, and it's made up of people from Winnebago and Stevenson County. Um, they're looking on how to fix the trail, how to maintain it, how to, you know, massage ComEd into doing the things that they need to do since they own it. Um, but right now, one of the things that your listeners could do is, if they're interested, contact Stevenson County board members, because I'm being told that Stevenson County really is, doesn't want to participate, that they don't want to spend any money, they don't want to do anything with the trail. They're happy with the Jane Adams Trail, because I'm told that several several county board members live near the Jane Adams Trail and use it themselves, but the the Peck Trail doesn't get quite the love. But if we can, between private donations, public donations, whatever, if they could finish that last three and a half miles, I think there's opportunity for races that would then drive um, people to come visit the area. And let me give you an example. The Jane Adams Trail and the Badger Trail, a few years ago, a race company out of Chicago called 10 Junk Miles Racing started running some races in that area. And now they have a 100-mile race, 100K, 50-mile marathon, half marathon that they do out of Bellevue, Wisconsin. So you can run from Bellevue to Orangeville Mm -hmm. and then back. Um, And so those guys, this will be year three of the the Badger Trail races. I'm running the 50K on August 1st uh, from Bellevue down to just a little bit before Monroe, turn around and head back. But for example... They bought $5,000 worth of groceries at the Bellevue grocery store because they're not going to shop at Walmart. They're going to come to the local mom and top pop because they know it's important for smaller communities. So they spent $5,000 for that. People are staying at bed and breakfasts. People are staying at hotels. People are buying gas. People are coming and visit. There's a couple of people, a couple people that have bought um, rental property or investment property near there because they want to be able to come back and, you know, have their own place to stay. There are rich people that travel to these races. Um, there's a there's a billionaire, a billionaire that ran the Hennepin 100 mile. Jesse Eisenberg, he or, uh, not Jesse Eisenberg, but Jesse Eiser, I think his name is. He's a Facebook guy. No, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> but he's a billionaire who flew in with some friends and ran the Hennepin 100 last year. Um, there are people that come to the community and bring investment, and so if we can look at finishing the Pecatonica Prairie Trail. It can only help out in the long run for the community. So what I'm going to do is I've told this group, like, I will get a group of people that will run from Rockford to Freeport. And you guys can let the the media know and this and that kind of stuff know. We'll we'll get a group of you know ten twenty people whatever will that will run this, mm-hmm. and you know that way it'll get a little coverage and look at all these goofballs that are running from Rockford to Freeport. Call up Channel Seventeen <laughs> exactly. See if they'll come bring a camera for you. Yeah, well we'll do something like that just to help you know let people know again what's in their backyard that they may not be aware of and what we can do to push the ball over the goal line and and you get this project finished. A lot of it's probably monetary, though. Is that the main holdup? A little bit. ComEd, too. ComEd's got some things, uh, not only with the bridge, but, you know, if you think about that trail, they've got, ComEd's got some power poles on there. Mm -hmm. And what they want to do for the future parts of the trail is have these bump outs around the poles so that if they ever have to do any work on the pole itself, they wouldn't have to then rebuild the trail that it's right on. Sure. Well, 
that's great for ComEd, but really expensive to bring in and bump out, you know, six to nine feet of gravel and, you know, keep that solid, all the earthwork that has to go into it and everything. For every single exactly. tower. That's, yeah, what are they, 100 feet or 200 yeah, feet apart? like that. So that, that's a situation there, too. The trail is still kind of there. I mean, you can see it on Google Maps and, you know, um, even just mowing it, constant mowing would help a little bit. And then, you know, a few railroad ties and things like that that could get, you know, kind of taken out. Uh, there's still some of those wooden ties that are up there, little trip hazards in some areas. But, you know, it's, we're really close. I mean, the bridge over the Peck River is kind of a big thing. And a little bit more work and we'd be there. So, hmm. Is there like little, uh, like the snow pearls is in Pearl City, like little snowmobile clubs that maintain the snowmobile trails. Is there, is there those that types of groups of people that help maintain the, the running trails? So, I mean, every, everywhere is a little bit different. Um, some of the bigger races, some of your bigger hundred mile races out on the East Coast and West Coast, they do um, require a certain amount of trail volunteer hours for the race. So let's say you're going to run the Cruel Jewel 100 miler in Georgia. They they require you to you know pay the fee, but then also do let's say eight or ten hours of trail maintenance um, in the year before the event. And so you would go to the Byron Forest Preserve and say, hey, I, I want to pull weeds or fill holes or do whatever you want me to do for four hours. And then somebody signs off on the form and you send it in. So there's some of that where people. Um, kind of seek out opportunities but unfortunately with the state of illinois it's a lot harder to go in those state parks and those state-run areas and just help out hmm. uh, that you wouldn't believe i mean background checks um you know forms all this kind of stuff you yeah, obviously really. they don't want you to operate power tools i mean but even like hey can 10 of us go out there and mow the trail because you're not mowing it anymore I or gotcha. you know pick up sticks or something like that they, they make it really hard the deal with the state. So something off my head, uh, one of the trails to tower rock that's in apple river Canyon state park is, has this bridge where the bridge is freaking collapsing. And Mm. all it would take is a guy like me who works construction with a bag of tools and like thousands of dollars of treated wood now, but (laughs) you know, hundreds of, you know, a couple of treated boards and you'd be able to fix that where it's almost like, It'd be easier just to sneak in and DIY and don't right. tell anybody and fix it up. Be like, oh, look at that. But to actually try and partner with the state park, it it's would be hard. Oh, almost difficult. Wow. It's hard. And I think I was on that trail last year. We went up there and uh, I think we almost, yeah, we hiked a Tower Rock. And I think I remember that bridge you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, the state makes it kind of difficult. That's that's unfortunate. But um, we do have a lot of, a lot of other trails and entities that aren't state that are looking for people to help out you know i'm sure the freeport park district under the right circumstances if there was something to do that they would let you help out now they oakdale's in great shape so you know that's probably a place that doesn't need as much love where the pecatonic prairie trail definitely needs some volunteer hours from here and there sure there's not a whole lot of weed control and mowing yeah yeah who else knows what washout control probably happens yeah on, on wet years you know you get a little bit of washout and this and that dry years it's you know not as much to worry about just mowing really so man how much of running is your life <laughs> well i mean yeah i probably do i probably do 35 to 40 miles a week um it's probably my average. Some weeks a little more, some a little less. But that's 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 nowhere. There are I have friends that are you know seventy miles a week. There's obviously professional runners do 
110, 120 miles a week in a lot of cases. They're doing a marathon a day, dang near. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you get doubles because, yeah, I mean, even the elite runners, 20 miles is still going to beat you up, even if you're a professional. So a lot of times it's just easier to run maybe, let's say, eight in the morning and eight in the afternoon. Oh, all right. Something like that, you know, because 16 miles will still beat you up worse than eight with eight hours in between will. No, I can believe that. But yeah, I mean, you know, my wife and I, it's something we're both into. So it's, it's, it's not... It's a little trickier sometimes when you have one partner who's not into it. And, you know, running takes time, right? If I'm going to be out for three or four hours, that's three or four hours we're not together. Or maybe three or four hours I'm not doing something they feel I should be doing. But since we're both into it, since we're both residents of Crazy Town, uh, <laughs> you know, it works out pretty well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the running community, lots of good friends, lots of good people. So I'm, I'm really happy to be part of it. And Byron, we've got a pretty good scene. And, um, yeah, lucky to be part of that, too. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a, you got a whole bunch of cool shit going on down there, honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, just you know, as we kind of wrap things up, I mean, Byron, for your listeners that want to come down, I mean, Byron Forest Preserve has six different preserves to visit. You know, the largest tree in the state of Illinois is outside of the Leaf River at the Byron Forest Preserve. Again, the biggest tree in the entire state of Illinois is a half an hour from Freeport. So it's an eastern cottonwood that's 200 years old, and it's the biggest tree because of circumference, crown, and then height. And so it's been certified by the state of Illinois Extension. Um, it was found uh, a couple years ago. This piece of property, that it's got a Mount Morris address. It's really closer to Leaf River, but it's on the very, very western edge of the Byron Forest Preserve's jurisdiction. Sure. It came up for auction. A, uh, a wealthy investor from Elk Grove Village bought it. He'd heard that the Forest Preserve wanted to acquire it, but they weren't the top bidder. He uh, he sold it to the Forest Preserve if the Forest Preserve was able to get a grant. They were, they were able to get a grant from the Clean Energy Foundation. So they bought this property, and as they were taking over this unique piece of property, they didn't know that the biggest tree in the state of Illinois was on there, but they knew this tree was pretty big. Sure. So they brought some people out, and they ran it through its paces, and sure enough, it beat a cypress tree that's at the very southern tip of Illinois. And so now the biggest tree is right here, basically in our backyard. So Bald Hill Prairie Preserve is where you want to go. Bald Hill Prairie Preserve, it's at the end of a dead-end road. Uh, the, the biggest tree is probably 200 years old because it's down in kind of a little valley where there's kind of a, a ridge that protects it from the wind. It gets plenty of moisture, though, because it's at the bottom of this area. And, you know, uh, any kind of cottonwood tree is going to want water. Um, and so it's pretty massive. In the winter, it doesn't look as great. But when its crown is filled out, you're like, damn, that's a big tree. Like right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably about a little less than a half mile walk. You're, the parking lot's kind of not near the top of the hill, but you're going to walk all downhill to see it. Then you're going to walk all uphill to see it. And that area of Ogle County there, kind of in Rockvale Township, uh, basically west of the Rock River and probably east of Leaf River is kind of like the Switzerland of Ogle County. It's kind of hilly in there. Um, and Bald Hill is the highest point in eastern Ogle County. Um, and it's like when the glaciers came down, mm -hmm. basically just kind of piled up this huge gravel deposit. And so on Bald Hill, uh, I think it's around 920 feet elevation. On a good day in the fall, you can see the water towers of Mount Morris, Leaf River, Byron, and even Winnebago from there. You know, so you're up, you're up pretty decent. Um, good fall colors, you know, probably about 
four or five miles worth of trails. Um, there's really nothing around it, so it's very peaceful. There's uh, lots of ground nesting birds, bobolinks, because and bobolinks are kind of cool. I'm I'm not a birder, but I'm learning more about it now that I'm on the Forest Preserve board. These little guys, they travel from South America up all the way through North America. These little bastards fly like three, you know, like you know, eight thousand miles or something like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the places they like to nest is in the Bald Hill Prairie Preserve outside of Leaf River and Byron. So that's a cool preserve. Um, you know, Howard Coleman Forest Preserve, which is north of Byron, right on the Ogle and Winnebago County line. It's right behind Severson Dells, Severson Dells Forest Preserve on Montague Road. Um, Howard Coleman is a beautiful piece of property that's a little more wooded than some of our prairie preserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always joke around, it also has Ogle County's biggest waterfall. Um, the, it's just a... <laughs> yeah, well, the Hall Creek, is, it's, it's more... Two of a, feet. It's, yeah, exactly. It's probably more of a cascade that's, <laughs> right. you know, maybe like 19 and a half inches. But damn it, that's a waterfall. I mean, yeah, there's one... Uh, <laughs> is water falling. Yeah. Franklin Grove uh, State Park has a little waterfall yeah. like that, too. Yeah, so I joke around that, yeah, we've Byron Forest Preserve has the biggest tree in the state of Illinois. We've got the tallest waterfall in Ogle County. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we have a lot of forest preserves that they've got a lot to offer. They got the Byron Golf Course, the Prairie View Golf Course, uh, Prairie Fire Golf and Grill is right there. You know, the Rock River itself between Byron and Oregon is a great stretch to boat. The you know the river's always busy. It's getting pretty low right now, but it's very busy with boaters. Um, there's lots of great restaurants in Byron. Of course, everybody's you know the last couple of years, Harry Cow Brewing Company is kind of the big thing. Um, their pizzas are amazing. The beer is great. They've got a back deck that's right on the Rock River. Um, that place is always hopping. Uh, but in addition to Harry Cow, you know, there's Dos Amigos, The Cave, Wheezy's Bar and Grill, Uptown Lanes. We've got a, a small bowling alley in Byron, you know, so where you can bowl and there's, you know, burgers and beer and whatnot there. Um, of course, we have Byron Fest coming up July 10th, 11th, and 12th. So, you know, that'll be a chance for people to come down and check out what's going on, you know, in the Byron area. And we have the Byron Dragway and Byron Motorsports Park. So Dragway, go race your car. Byron Motorsports Park, that's where you can take your uh, dirt bikes and, you know, go out there and go crazy in that regard. So we've got, a, we've got a lot of interesting things to do in the area. Tons to do. Tons to do. I always love getting down that way. I, I really do. I do. <laughs> it is kind of neat just being around the big smokestacks when you get up close to them and you understand how massive they are yeah so fun fact uh the smoke smoke snacks are 495 feet so i used to be on the ogle county board Uh, i was elected in 2002 re-elected in 2004 and i represented byron stillman rockvale leaf river area and i got a tour of the plant and they took a number of us county board members around showed us around that was one of the little fun little facts is 495 feet uh, for those cooling towers had to keep it under 500 you know for airplanes and whatnot yeah yeah but yeah so that that place is a pretty massive place and of course that's been in the news lately is um you know comed threatens to shut down that plant and a couple other plants if they don't get some concessions from the state of illinois um my opinion, and of course, I'm not negotiating anything, but right. my opinion from people I talk to that are semi-involved is it sounds like pretty much things are kind of worked out. That's um, the feeling I had gotten, too, yeah. from certain people that I've heard things from. Yeah, it's just right now the, the labor unions and the environmentalists have a little bit of a loggerhead over some coal-fired power plants. Uh, Governor Pritzker doesn't want to do what's called a skinny bill that would just focus on 
um, the nuclear plants. He wants a comprehensive energy bill. And so he wants to deal with some of these coal plants that aren't very old, but yet are very dirty. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is these plants are old by, owned by municipalities in Springfield, and I don't remember the other town, and they're still, they're still paying on them. So if they're shut down, that could be not only do the unions don't want to lose the jobs, the municipalities don't want to lose, you know. Uh, should be paying something that, that money. brings in no revenue. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to make a car payment on a exactly. car that's in the junkyard, right? right. So there's, there's kind of some things to work out there to how to make everybody happy. And, of course, that's hard to do with Never. diverse <laughs> opinions in there. What? So Never. Yeah. I've never heard of such a <laughs> But yeah, it sounds like, you know, probably by the end of August, maybe there, I think there's some date in late August where it's kind of like, uh-oh, that's when they got to file some paperwork with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission because the nuclear plant just, they can't just shut down, right? They have to have the Nuclear Regulatory sign off on a, you know, shutting down process. So they have to start that process. So people think things will get done before then, but Again, you never know. Things do happen at the eleventh hour, but um, it's not going to fall off the face of the earth. Even if, even if they were to shut down the plant, it takes years for those property taxes, you know, to kind of start winding down because the plant is still worth X amount of money sure. until they move out giant generators and things. And then our taxes in Illinois are always three years in arrears. So I mean, it's yeah, it's. It's it's complicated, but I think I think things are going to work out. They're talking about a five year agreement. Um, so if we do get this this deal taken care of, then we'll at least have five years until we kind of go, oh shit, now do we what do we do in you know twenty twenty six or something? So well, that's good to hear. At least that, that you who are probably closer to anybody I know that's going to know this inside information that it sounds promising. At least that's good. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, let's uh, shout out those dates again for those uh, races you want to promote and uh, we'll get you on your way, man. Yeah. Flyover States, uh, thanks for having me. And you can sign up for the Nuclear Meltdown Elimination Race on Saturday, August 14th, 8 a.m. at the Byron Forest Preserve. And you can go to orneryMuleRacing.com or just Google um, Nuclear Meltdown Elimination Race. Saturday, September 18th is the fourth annual Tiger 10 Mile Trail Race in Byron. So we'd love to have you at any of those events. And even if you're not a runner, um, but you you want to see local athletes in action, you want to help out in a way, we're always looking for volunteers at these kind of events. Um, if you feel safe to, you know, hand out water, hand out medals, um, you know, on the nuclear, on the elimination race, you know, people are going to be zombies by you know hour 10 mm -hmm. so you know just filling people's water bottles for them or asking them if they need a cold towel on their head or you know if somebody needs help untying their shoes so they can put a you know treat treat a blister or something mm -hmm. we, we're always looking for volunteers if you want to come out and spend you know four hours or something giving us a hand we can always use help with that so perfect man well chris i really appreciate your time and uh there's a whole lot more going on than I knew about, dude. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I'm glad you came in here to kind of help hype up the outdoor activities of uh, northwestern Illinois. Well, Scott, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work you're doing with this podcast. Well, maybe I'll take months off more off of that because <laughs> that's what I just did. But, right. Uh, all right, everybody. Once again, thank you for listening to the Flyover States podcast. And get your run on, man. Physical fitness is definitely very important if we didn't learn anything from this last year. So, Chris, once again, thanks, and uh, say goodbye to all my lovely listeners. 
Thanks, guys. I'll see you out on the trail. All right, guys. Love you. See you. Bye. Stop doing that to the microphone. Okay, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. We're going to repeat what Dad says, and we're going to speak right into the microphone. Yep. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Flyover States podcast. Thanks for listening to the Flyover States podcast. Thank you for listening to the Flyover States podcast. Good job. Yay! Good job. Good <laughs> job.